morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Andrew, also known as the Cashflow King, is joining us. And Jackie, aka the Crypto Juggernaut, is in the building. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Ripple is partnering with the Hong Kong Monetary Authority to develop a central bank digital currency product, while also revealing its new CBDC platform at the same time. Ledger is firing back against the criticism of their cold storage wallet upgrade, stating this new upgrade will help bring hundreds of millions into self-custody. Judge Torres has confirmed the Hinman emails will be released on June 6th, potentially exposing the multi-million dollar corruption taking place behind the scenes. BlackRock is the crypto BlackRock is a crypto whale for Pepe, fueling the meme coin saga of 2023. And with the financial transition in history finally upon us, we break down the details, showing our community how CBDCs and decentralization are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So sorry, Johnny Crypto. I had to laugh when I found out that BlackRock is holding over $1.2 in Pepe token. And we're talking about that today. First of all, how are you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. Are you surprised at all that BlackRock is sitting and pumping Pepe? No surprise there at all, Ab. But good morning to all the War Maniacs. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. For showing up every single day. Great to see Andrew and Jackie in the house. This is exciting. Good day. Looking forward to a great show. Absolutely. I'm always excited to have the Cashflow King in the building. It is not a Monday, Andrew. It's a Thursday. So this is a special appearance. First of all, thank you for being here. And how are you feeling this morning? Hey, good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Uh, 5 p.m. here in the Netherlands. I always enjoy it very much to, uh, to be in the show. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a last minute, uh, but I'm here. I'm always happy to talk about crypto, about uh, cash flow, about financial freedom, about all what's happening in the market. So uh, love to be here with you guys, with Jackie, Johnny Epps. Uh, so we're looking forward to a great show. Jackie, very excited for our show today as we're talking about the Hinman emails. We're talking about Ledger cold storage wallets. And also we've got some secret news prepared for the listeners as well. Before we get into it, how are you feeling in great Merlin background? Or sorry, uh, ex-royalty background. Hey guys, thank you. Um, I know my computer's lagging, uh, but I hope my voice isn't, so that's cool. Um, really good to be on, and thank you for my background. Um, we've got a lot of exciting stuff going with X Royalty right now, guys, and so I'm going to announce some of the events that we have going on with the 3T Warrior Academy coming up at the end of this year, um, whenever Abs gives me the okay, but love to be on with you guys, and I love to see everyone in the chat. Absolutely, guys. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM on crypto uh, on Twitter. Sorry, I'm all over the place this morning. We're at 4,174 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Johnny Crypto, when we look at the Bitcoin fear and greed index, we can't because we can't look at it on my laptop. When we get into the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.13 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27,200, Ethereum 1800, XRP is 46 cents, and this seems to be the token of discussion this week. Not only has Ripple announced that they got a massive win in the lawsuit by revealing the Hinman emails, they just announced this morning, Johnny, they are working with Hong Kong to build a central bank digital currency. So I feel like that's the best place to start the episode. What does that news mean to you? And then I'll pull up some corresponding articles. Boy, I'll tell you, Ripple has been extremely busy. No, they've been a bunch of busy beavers this week. A lot of great news coming out. A lot of excitement happening there. Uh, Abs, very, very interesting. But I, but everybody wants to know, Abs, it's on everybody's mind. How is the tooth? We know you had a death appointment. How are we doing? How are you feeling, Abs? Everything going good? Listen, I've got a very surprising reveal on Friday. You're going to see some pearly whites on Good Morning Crypto, Johnny. So there's the big reveal. But if you check out the XRP price chart, and this is what everyone's really discussing. Andrew, I'd love to get some thoughts here. 46 cents off of no news. This is basically off speculation alone from the Hinman emails. Before I pull up any articles, what have you been watching, Andrew? Yeah, this is this is uh, this is this is so great. And and if you take a little bit, uh, yeah, if you take a little bit the the the, the more wider perspective, 
you see, so you see XRP going up from uh, uh, from from December. It went up with 72%. Then it went down again. And you know, I like I like to uh, to invest. Then it went down with 30%, and, and then it goes up again. So it goes up and down and up and down. And you know, take a small portion of your money and try to play those swings. You know, don't don't do it with everything, but it can make crypto so much more interesting and and yeah of course so you can see what is social sentiment doing with the price we have seen that with pepe and i think you also speak a little bit about pepe today but we see that with xrp we see that with all the coins and this is exactly what's making crypto so interesting so uh yeah um i, I love this space Johnny, you said it yesterday. I was at the dentist during the show, so I didn't get to hear your opinion when it comes to the Hinman emails. Let's fill our listeners in right now. What did Johnny Crypto have to say about the Hinman emails being released? Blockchain Backer put out some great news. He said, listen, it's not just a win for Ripple. Ripple also has to reveal a lot of information about their own company. What does that mean to you, Johnny Crypto? Yeah, you know what? There's no question about that. However, here is the thing. The reason why I'm not so much worried about that is we all know that if you look at how Ripple launched this thing in the beginning, there's no question that they they kind of, you know, you can make the argument it was security. No, no question back then, just the way Ethereum was. The thing that you need to look at now and what Brad is concerned about going forward, Abs, is secondary sales. Let's not forget that term, secondary sales. That's what this is all about. He wants to know that going forward, Anything sold is, is not considered, uh, which we call secondary sales, is not considered a security. That makes them able to operate. He doesn't give a shit what happened 2013. He'll pay a fine. He's happy to pay that. So that's why, to me, it's not as critical that in the, you know, whatever they have to reveal is going to show that, yeah, okay, maybe in 2013 we did that. Fine. Here. Here's the fine. We'll pay you $100 million. We agree to that. But. What it's also going to show, right? So that's the bad side of it for Ripple. The good side of it for Ripple is finally they're going to be able to say, hey, look, here's Hinman. He came out and said Ethereum was not a security, and we did exactly what they did. So how the frick are you going to fault us for that? And therefore, going forward, and we know that the way Ripple's being used today, it's not used as a security. So I don't really think in this case there's enough. I don't think there's, the damage here is going to be anything different that, that Ripple wasn't already willing to pay for. In, a, in as a security for something they did early on, right? And going forward, they're going to get what they want because the hidden emails are going to reveal that the SEC sent a message, a very confusing message to the industry that, hey, if you're operating like Ethereum, you're not a security. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I think so there's more good that can come out of it than bad. Does that does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I think it clears the air on what people are anticipating for these emails. I want to give my own two cents as well. And let's just go to this camera view since my face isn't on the screen this morning. One of the things I'm looking at when I see what Ripple has to reveal is Ripple was profiting off of the sales of XRP. That's undeniable. And the SEC, the only time that they have a case here is in 2014 and 2013 when you can consider XRP centralized. Ripple owned more than 50% of the token. They were facilitating over 90% of the use cases on the network. Up until about 2018 when they launched their ODL product, that's when I think the SEC is going to draw a line in the sand and say from that point forward, or not the SEC, but Judge Torres, from that point forward, Ripple was decentralized enough to be considered not a security, but instead a commodity, a digital asset, something along those lines. And so I'm anticipating the William Hinman emails to only add to our argument and give us more evidence of that. Andrew, what did you think about them having to reveal that information? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I hear what, what Johnny says, and I can uh, I can only agree with him. Um, however, you know, I like you know, I like I like the bigger scope. Um, what do you think? Would it have been possible for for Ripple to build a company like this without get, doing this token sale and without selling it? It would be absolutely impossible. There was no that I'm for sure there was not a single bank who wanted to invest in this product because they would seen would have seen this is this is uh, yeah this this will, this will uh, is a threat for the, for the existing banking system. So I think it was the only way to 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 build a company like this. And uh, and actually I'm. I'm 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 grateful for that, that that they did it and yeah this is the price they need to pay uh, I'm I'm sure 
that will handle it. And in the end, what we see already happening with uh, with, with 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 XRP, we are we are on the good uh, good good way forward. Absolutely, Andrew and Jackie. It's great to see you back in the, in the, on the show. We're about to show our listeners a brand new video from Crypto Airy where she's showing us how at the Dubai FinTech Summit, Brad Garlinghouse explained many use cases that are coming to the XRPL. But we got 251 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this video of Brad Garlinghouse. Then we're going to go to Johnny Crypto. Well, last year, 2022, as I mentioned, we hired 350 people globally. Uh, we opened offices in uh, Dublin and Toronto. As we mentioned earlier, we're expanding our office here and moving offices to uh, more office space. Uh, what I think will be next and certainly something Ripple thinks about, we started with enterprise-based cross-border payments. We talk about there being four kind of primitive pieces to blockchain-based technologies, liquidity, compliance, I'm going to miss uh, liquidity compliance, custody, and tokenization. And Ripple really aspires to be more than just that kind of liquidity and cross-border payments. I think you can expect that we will expand into some of, uh, some of those other areas, either organically or through acquisition. And I think we'll look at, let's make acquisitions in markets that are friendly to these technologies. Uh, on the previous panel, you had representation from the UAE. You had representation from Switzerland. These are countries that are providing the clarity for entrepreneurs to invest. And that allows a company like Ripple that is larger. We have a billion, more than a billion dollars of U.S. dollars cash on our balance sheet. We want to deploy that to grow both organically, internally, but also inorganically through acquisition. And we're seeing evidence of that this week, Johnny Crypto. Before I get any comments from you, the breaking news out of Ripple this morning, and this is exactly what Gary Gensler is wanting. This is exactly what we've warned investors about. Ripple is going to demonstrate the tokenization aspect of the XRPL in Hong Kong with the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, and they're actually building a retail central bank digital currency. So I think that Brad Garlinghouse clip connects very well with this article. What stuck out to you, Johnny? Oh, so much to unpack. There's so much. I mean, basically, first of all, they got a billion dollars in the bank, so that's important to know, right? And they couldn't have done it. Andrew was spot on, yeah, raising all that money early on and buying back, rip, you know, buying back XRP. And so they're sitting on a billion dollars. They're cash rich. They can fight the SEC for quite some time. But more importantly, listen to what he said. They and we literally talked about this yesterday. So you weren't here, Ab. So I may sound like I'm repeating myself, but what I talked about was you're seeing Ripple want to expand beyond just being a cross-border payments company. And we saw that as obvious evidence yesterday when they when they bought a custody company so they can eventually custody. And they were smart. They said, hey, we know we can't operate in the U.S. So what did they do? Abs? They went and bought a company that could do custody in the Swiss. So they're operating outside the U.S. They don't have to worry about Gary. Gary's off their back. And yeah, exactly. And there he is with all the big boys. But more importantly, listen to what he just said. There were four items, right? He said liquidity, um, cross-border liquidity, tokenization, and custody. Well, they got the other three. The one last element was tokenization. And so you, you already know where they're going next. And they're going to add, you know, tokenization, whether it's tokenization of real estate or of the blockchain, whatever it's going to be, they're obviously going to look to play in those four places. And that's why I love Ripple, the company. And by the way, just so you know, if you own XRP, you do not own Ripple, the company. You own XRP, the token, which is no longer, you know, it wasn't even really created by Ripple, so I know that's going to confuse people. OpenCoin was created way before it, but you don't own the company. So if you the like the notification machine, Johnny Crypto, while you're muting yourself, let me just give a quick two cents here. When you talk about how the XRP was already created before Ripple had it, it's completely different from Ethereum. What Vitalik Buterin did with Ethereum is he actually generated the code, created those tokens, and gave them to individuals at a certain price. Ripple did something completely different. There was a, already a product called OpenCoin, which was XRP back in the day, that Ripple developed and saw the use case and then built on top of it. So there's a fundamental difference, and that's the biggest difference in the SEC right now, Johnny, is that they can't get Ripple for an ICO. So that's just my two cents. Sorry. Back to yeah. you. Yeah, no, phone's muted. So uh, anyway, nonetheless, I think that the point being here is they are moving into a great space Owning Ripple as a company to me is something I'm excited about because I believe they're poised, poised really well to take a huge, to be a huge, to be a leader in this space of Web 3.0. They're just, they are smart. They're making the right connections. I'm really, really excited for Ripple, the company. 
As far as XRP, the token, that's a kind of <laughs> spiritual annual. That's a new one. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. I love those. Absolutely, but I, love, I, love, Johnny. I love our audience. They're the best. But XRP, the token apps, that's you know a separate place to play. But you know that Ripple, the company, is doing things to put XRP, the token, in play. And that's what gets me excited about both. Guys, I have to hide because I'm actually pretending to be the bearable bull this morning. But we got 295 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to play another update out of Singapore. This is one of the lead advisors for Ripple talking about how there's four people in the banking capital of the world, which is Singapore, already focused on central bank digital currencies. And Ripple could soon be utilizing those partnerships. So we're going to play this short clip and go back to the group here. Here we go. Big CBDC practices now globally based we actually within the last couple of months have put four people on the ground in singapore alone focused on this let's have put four people on the ground in singapore alone focused on this okay. um it's an important effort it's an important suite of products i think i really is related to this point exactly is i think as an industry we got to be careful about chasing every single new shiny thing it, it yeah. tends to dilute business models it tends to take people off course um, and we determined, in addition to our payments business, CBDCs are a very important piece of what we're going to do. However, we have found real traction with smaller governments, smaller central banks uh, that need a holistic solution, a side chain, someone to come in from scratch. Can you say the Price. names, Fanny? Or? I can give you a couple examples. Cool. Since we're in Samaritz, I'll give you a, a mountain example. Uh, our first MOU is the Kingdom of Bhutan, okay, who has yeah. a very forward-looking king, technology advanced basically decided he wanted a better way of moving kind of value around the country, whether or not it was payments or other issues they needed to do, and also to set up a system uh, so they could eventually have remittances back into the country as well. We're working with Palau. We're in dialogue and working with a number of, of central banks around the world. Um, at the China level and at the U.S. level, there's a lot of people chasing that and a lot of people that have their own sovereign interest in mind. And so you got to... It's unbelievable. How many live updates did he give this week that told us exactly what's coming? And Jackie, I want to go to you. But one of the things that nobody can deny, even the biggest Ripple haters in the community, they know that there's so many catalysts for growth in the future. Use cases, central bank digital currencies, the tokenization of real assets. And now we have them working to actually bring in governments on the XRPL. In many ways, it's people's worst nightmare. But as an XRP investor, it gets me excited. What's on your mind, Jackie? Yeah, that's something that a lot of people don't pay attention to. I think that the last um, article that you showed, Abs, was pretty important. Um, we talk a lot within the academy about, you know, changing world order. We study authors like Ray Dalio. So he actually has a book on the principles of, of changing world order. Um, and so, you know, that's been out for decades. Um, and we're starting to see that shift in world power right now. So the fact that they're, you know, creating a CBDC um, and have ties with China. That's that's something pretty interesting to look into. Um, and I agree with what Johnny said. You know, um, Ripple has a massive global presence that a lot of people don't um, don't necessarily pay attention to, just because all eyes are on the United States. But they're all over um, Asia, Pacific, Europe. Um, so the fact that they're talking about they're also in Middle East and North Africa, South Africa. So if you take a look at like, you know, kind of where they're mapped out on the world, um, collaborations with different banks and financial institutions and things like that, it definitely gets me excited uh, for what Ripple has coming, um, you know, and that's the thing, like too many people are focused on here in the United States. Um, they're not, they're not stopping. They're going to continue to build. So it gets me, gets me pretty bullish on, on XRP and Ripple. Absolutely, Jackie. And one of the things that came out of that conference alone is he told us three partnerships that were yet to be publicly announced. He said Palau. He talked about the Hong Kong partnership, and I just can't remember the name of the third country. Andrew, we're about to start our discussion in the XRP or sorry, in the cold storage wallet debacle in the ledger situation. So before we even get into that, what did you think about that video and the possibility of XRP having connections to Singapore, which is the banking capital of the world? Um. What you actually see is is uh, Ripple is going on and on and on and on. They just continue with small steps. And what what's also what what you learn all the time from 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 Coach JV, he'll say if you have a goal, just make one step after the other and keep going in the direction of your goal. And what I, for example, what I learned and I thought about it, what I learned from Johnny, is uh, you know keep your friends close, but keep your enemies even closer and that's exactly what i see 
what 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 uh, what what Brett Garlinghouse and, and Ripple is doing. They are at, at the table and they're all speaking terms with with all uh, central banks, with with governments, and 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 yeah, with with the SEC, they are talking with everybody, and they are trying to make the best out of it. And where they can, they they maneuver themselves in a small step in the direction of their goal. So I really believe in this company. I believe in the product. And uh, yeah, we are really on the good way. Is it is it easy? Is it easy for them? Of course not. But imagine to build up a worldwide company. That that's quite an achievement. I'm I'm I'm, I'm really impressed about what they are doing. Exactly, Andrew. And to be able to overcome the SEC right now, it is very impressive. Ripple has some of the largest mergers and acquisitions in the entire crypto market, despite the United States government giving them a blacklisting. But we got 304 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, we're about to talk about Ledger, but let's give a shout out to somebody who's going to be coming on Good Morning Crypto, or at least is rumored to be very soon, Eleanor Tourette. She says that Grayscale says the SEC has asked them to withdraw their application to launch Filecoin Trust product because Filecoin meets the definition of a security. Johnny, I know you hold this token. I'm not going to disclose how much, but as a whale, what does it mean to you? <laughs> not anywhere near a whale. That's for freaking sure. But I, I listen, I've always been excited about, excited about decentralized storage. And Filecoin is one of those companies that I always felt was in a good position, kind of a leader in that market, in that space. Just the way I feel Ripple is a leader in the space of where they're going. So that that news got me excited. In fact, when I saw it, I was like, damn, I got to buy some more file. I got to, yeah, it's cold today. It's cold up here in the Northeast. It got cold out all of a sudden. So I'm wearing sleeves today, guys. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm really excited about the file, progress for file token and any kind of storage. I'm watching all of that space, but I really, really like the file token. And that news was very, very bullish uh, for me. When we talk about the crypto market being consolidated, Jackie, Brad Garlinghouse says that 99% of tokens will go away. But lucky for us, there's over 24,000 tokens in the market. So that leaves about 250 projects that will survive. Do you believe that Filecoin and Algorand are some of those projects? Why do you believe the SEC is going after larger caps instead of some of the meme coins that we've seen pop off over the last couple of months? Um. I definitely think, you know, this is part of the process of bringing about regulation. So they're going to go um, after some bigger projects to just to get more solidity in the space. That's kind of what I what I think is going on. Mm -hmm. It's just it's it's comical. You know, if you had been paying attention to um, Gary Gensler, you know, even prior to him being um, with the SEC, he talked a lot about Algorand. We've talked about this on the show that Algorand was a great project. Um it never was a security, um, and he even even called it a co commodity um, him himself when he was um, when he was teaching at university. So it is it is comical um, talking about these larger projects and things like that. But I definitely um, I believe in in those larger cap cryptocurrencies um, kind of sticking around. And it is funny too, apps like a lot of people um have quoted have been quoted saying that um you know 99% of cryptocurrencies are going away which i do believe once we get regulation but uh they even this past bear market you know a lot of people were thinking that we were going to get um cut down to the hundreds but yeah there's still thousands upon thousands of cryptos that are out there so it's just kind of you know kind of fruition of we never know what what to expect right Absolutely, Jackie. And this is the next story that everybody's talking about this morning. First of all, we got 326 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for being here on this Thursday. I put out my thoughts on this as Ledger CEO commented on the upgrade and said, you're going to be saying this is not what customers want when actually this is what customers want. This is the way the next 100 million customers onboard into the crypto market. And Johnny, what he's addressing there is the fact that cold storage changed fundamentally over the weekend. One of the things that we realized about Ledger is that they are not as isolated as we'd like to believe. What they're doing with their cold storage seed phrases right now is you get a Ledger device, you have a 24 seed, uh, 24 individual words that are your password, and you write those down, you don't share them with anybody. What Ledger's doing and is making a fundamental change is they want to take those 24 words, divide them into groups of eight, and distribute them to three separate companies. 
Why is that a big deal, right? For a lot of people, for somebody who doesn't understand how self-custody works, it seems like a good upgrade. Would you agree, Johnny, really quick before uh, I continue? Well, I mean, certainly on on the surface, when you think of, okay, hey, we're going to take these, we're going to encrypt it, we're going to divide them and spread them around, kind of like you'd see in the movies, or break things up and go find the three different pieces elsewhere. On the surface of it, you certainly, that's the message or the narrative they're trying to send. And what the reality is here, guys, is the reason that people buy these devices is to get away from a centralized system like they are slowly becoming. And when you give companies access to your private keys, whether it's 30% of your seed phrase or 100% of your seed phrase, you're now vulnerable. You're now much more vulnerable than before. And I can actually explain why. So if somebody gets hold of your ledger device, let's say I get to Johnny Crypto's house. He's asleep. I grab his ledger and I grab his ID. I am now able to call customer service, pretend to be Johnny Crypto, give him the last four digits of the social, and get his seed phrase, which before this upgrade had never taken place before. And these are my comments, Jackie, and then I'm going to kick it to you. I said, this was extremely disappointing to hear from the Ledger CEO. This company is following a similar narrative of pushing away their existing user base for a group of people yet to acknowledge their product. And that's what we've seen from other companies in the mainstream media over the past couple of weeks. How do you feel about Ledger making this upgrade? You know, it's kind of expected, honestly. They're they're a big company in the space, and if they if they know anything about the the adoption um, and adoption of technology, it's you know. And we've been talking about this a lot on the show. People are not going to want to hold their own keys. Like that's just going to be the reality of things when people start. People aren't even going to understand what cryptocurrency is, um, as far as like the background technology of it. And they don't, they don't want to, it's, it goes right along with that quote that we've said on here before, you know, um, people who don't, you know, sacrifice a little bit of freedom for security deserve neither. And so the fact that they are, um, and that that's the reality of it, you know, in the end, and they understand that a lot of people don't want to have that responsibility. They just don't want the responsibility to custody their own crypto, which is, it is sad. Um, because we are people on the front wave of this who who believe in that and who want to take that responsibility on. But I believe that Ledger sees that and they understand that it's it you know it's the same thing that we've been saying that banks are going to get in um, to to custody and crypto crypto continually and Ledger's kind of doing the same way in their own way. Spot on, Jackie. And we got 334 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And what Ledger's doing right now is they're moving their customer base into other products. Somebody like me, who's an XRP holder and came to Ledger in order to put my XRP on their product, I do feel more vulnerable now. I'm not going to be paying the 1099 for this upgrade, but what I am going to be doing is looking for similar products that don't have this vulnerability. Andrew, how did you feel about the news? Yeah, you know, I, I think that Ledger also makes a point. There are so many, Jackie also said it, there are so many people that are not even able to, to handle their own uh, 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 secret phrase or, or their own keys. Um, but, but let me give you another tip. As soon as you buy a device like this, you know, this, this is just a Ledger. Reset the thing. Yeah, reset the thing and generate 24 new words. And if you do it, you know, nobody knows your words. Don't take a risk. Also, never buy it from, from, uh, from Amazon or any, anything else. Just buy it from the company itself and reset it. Get your 24 new words. And then still you can choose if you want to, to, to subscribe to the, to the service to, uh, yeah, to, to bring your words into three different companies. Or you say, you know, I do everything myself. And if you do everything yourself, yeah, okay, that, that, that gives you responsibility and you should be, yeah, a little bit organized that you are for sure that in, in two, three, four, five, maybe 10 years, you still own your, uh, your, 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 your 24-word seed phrase. Even if you lose your, your, your thing, then that doesn't matter, you know, and keep in mind your keys or sorry, your coins are not on this device. Your keys are on the device. So there are ways how you still can custody your coins yourself. And if you don't trust them, there are, you know, there are, there are uh, uh, possibilities enough just to get away from such a centralized uh, movement. Johnny Crypto, let me expose something that I just found right now. Yesterday, I found this tweet from Ledger Support, and it said, technically speaking, it is and always has been possible to write firmware that facilitates key extraction. What they're trying to say there is they can have access to their private keys if they put in the correct code. Well, look at this, Johnny Crypto. They've deleted the tweet. 
So I can only find it on my homepage. They actually removed this tweet from their ledger support site. The only reason I can see it right now is because I retweeted it. So this is probably the last time a lot of listeners are going to see this. Why do you believe they de- they deleted this tweet? Well, because first of all, it's it's there. Well, first, so let me go back to to the whole comment, and then I'll get to that piece of it. So I personally think that this is being blown up way out of proportion. Okay, so. You know I me. Mean? I, I, that's my feeling is I really think people are going off the ledge the wrong way. No pun intended here. Listen, guys, here's the bottom line. They're a company and they're in business to make money and service their customers. One of the biggest things you hear about all the time in the fear is the guy who can't get his uh, his his 22 million or billion, whatever, um, Bitcoin because he lost his fee phrase, right? He can't get into his wallet. And that is a problem they're trying to solve. And they're trying to come up with a solution to say, Hey, how do we offer customers a solution that if they lose their key, you can get? Because the reality is that's a real reality right now. If you lose your keys, you're screwed. You aren't getting your stuff ever, right? That needs to be solved. And they're trying to put a solve in place to do that. That's number one. So I don't fault them for that. Number two, it's freaking optional. You don't need to do it and you don't need to pay for the service and everything stays the same. Okay, so I don't understand what the concern is. If it was something where it was mandatory and they forced it, okay, fine. Then just go use a different freaking wallet. But it's one of those things where they're just, it's not. And number three, what he's saying is true. Any software apps, anything. There's no such thing as 100% bulletproof software in anything. Doesn't matter. And so the vulnerability where he talked here, which they deleted, is true. Anything could be, even Treasure was hacked. Um, Elipal will be hacked. Don't think you're safer going to a different wallet. I know everybody's like, oh, I'm going to go get this wallet. Get that wallet. No, it's freaking software. And it could always be hacked. Johnny, so- let me read the end of this and then kick it right back to you. The second sentence in this tweet is very, very important. Technically speaking, it is and always has been possible to write firmware that facilitates key extraction, which means they had access to your 24 words. You have always trusted Ledger not to deploy such firmware whether you knew it or not. And I think that second sentence is probably why they deleted the tweet. And I really think it builds upon what you just said. It is optional and we were trusting Ledger in the first place. So it isn't that big of a development, but for the everyday person who is terrified of this news, let's say somebody's out there that buy a thousand XRP. They're like, I'm not selling it. I put it in a ledger because I know it's going to sit there for three or four years. Is that person, do they have a right to be nervous and look for other options, Johnny? I personally think any cold wallet is still the safest way to protect your stuff. When you look at safety, it's always a rule, a law of probabilities. That's all it is. And if you're on an exchange, that's your lowest level of safety and highest risk of probabilities. If you're on a hot wallet, you're reducing your risk and you're moving into a more protected. And if you're on a cold wallet, you're in even a safer place. So all you could do is try to move yourself to a probability of the lowest reduced risk. And a cold wallet achieves that, right? So in terms of the phrase, you know, yeah, you're right. They deleted it definitely for the second part of it. But to be honest with you, part of me actually appreciate, and I know everyone's going to disagree with me, but that's fine. I actually appreciate the honesty. You have always trusted Ledger not to deploy such firmware. The real- What they were trying to say there, I'll change it into English. What he was trying to say is go with the company you trust. We all go with, we buy certain brands because we trust them or we like them. And what he was trying to say is, we're a company with high integrity. You trust us. We're not going to implement this software that, oh, by the way, we could. And by the way, if they could, guess what? So could Treasure. So could Ellie Paul. So could any other thing. So the reality is, you just want to go with a company that has high integrity and trust. Right now, we know that Ledger by far dominates this market space. They have the highest level. Why would they ever risk that trust? By doing something stupid like that. So I don't think you'll ever see them create some kind of software that's going to jeopardize or do that. Because the minute that happens, forget about it. It's over for them. Nobody will trust them and it's game over. So I understand why they deleted it. I actually personally, I'm the opposite way. I actually appreciate integrity and trust. I appreciate the truth. Even if it's truth that people don't want to hear, I like honesty. And for me, kudos for him for coming out and saying it. And I know he's probably going to get bashed for it. Um, maybe even get fired for it. But the reality is for me, I'm the kind of person I want to know what I'm dealing with all the time. So thank you for telling the truth. But the reality is anybody in software knows 
that there is nothing that is 100% safe. And if you think it is, sorry, guys. Good morning. You just woke up. There's no 100% safe solution out there. Johnny, we're short on time, so I know I'm going to kick it right to Jackie, but I got to get a response here. What do you say to people who are afraid? Because you just painted a very dark picture. Like, look, you've been you've been trusting them this whole time. Nothing changes, but what's a positive aspect of this? So you're saying we have to trust Ledger. Let's say, let's just go with this. Do you trust Ledger more than exchanges? How about that? Exactly, Abs. At the end of the day, everybody has to decide what they think is the lowest probability or the safest place to play. And we know that the worst case scenario is in an exchange where you have zero control at all. I mean, they could it could get hacked. You have no no retracement. It could get you know blocked out because this side the SEC sues them and they don't want to give you money back. They could hold your coins. People email me all the time. Hey, I can't get my stuff off of uphold right. That's a big risk. So to me, the next safest thing is move them into a hot or cold wallet. People, ha- I'm not a financial advisor. Can't give any financial advice. People have to decide what makes them sleep better at night abs and the reality is if you think about it nothing absolutely nothing has changed with the ledger you're using today if you don't opt into this into this solution your keys are still yours andrew just said exactly what you could do worst case order a ledger reset the 24 words and you're all set nobody has access to them don't opt into the solution of sharing you know splitting up your words into in three different eight word phrases and basically, for the most part, you're almost as safe as you can be. Again, not a financial advisor. You got to do your own research. But to me, I don't use a use a cold wallet app. I like hot wallets. I use hot wallets. They're they're you know not as safe, but to me, safe enough in getting them off the exchange. So I hope that helps kind of lay some groundwork. Uh, and I see Jackie has a comment there. So oh, I was I, even gonna say. I mean, you talk about diversification. This is something that we preach um, so much within the Three T Academy. Like. Not even diversification in crypto, guys. If you're in just one market sector, um, that is not generational wealth. I've learned that well from Andrew Cashflow. I've learned that well from Coach JV and other members of our team. If you're just sticking in crypto, you're not playing the game right. You need to diversify across markets, stock markets. We have we have our guys in the stock market. We have our guys in the crypto market. We have guys um, looking into real estate, all of those things, leverage life insurance, um, all of all of those types of things that builds generational wealth. Those are the pillars that you know we talk about at the at the Three T Warrior Academy. Um, just want to give you guys a couple dates too. Um, if you guys are interested in meeting some of our team members, um, of course our lovely abs who you can't see on here, um, we are having a meet and greet at the Three T Academy headquarters. If you guys missed out on our conference, um, we're gonna have a live uh, meet and greet. It is free. It's open for all. To come, that is going to be on July 15th. And then we do have um, a virtual event for our X Royalty holders. X Royalty is the official NFT of the 3T Warrior Academy. I am the project director for that. And so if you have any questions, reach out to me on um, my Twitter here or either on the X Royalty Twitter and we'll, we will um, we'll get back to you guys. But just wanted to say that I had to jump off. So excited so much, to see you guys, Mario. And just like she said, I just want to remind our listeners, July 15th in Arizona, you're going to have an opportunity to meet everybody, including Coach JV, which I think is so exciting. And Johnny, just to close out our Ledger conversation here, I think Andrew's point was the most important. There's two solutions to this, right? If you don't trust Ledger, here's two tangible things that you can do. Number one is to diversify your wallet, right? You can get 50% of your holdings in a cold storage, 50% in a Zoom wallet. Use a hot and a cold storage wallet. That way, if something is breached, All of your tokens aren't gone. The second thing you can do is what Andrew highlighted. The second you get your ledger, there is already a service to reset your 24 seed phrase password. That seems like a solution that I'm actually going to be implementing instead of switching away from ledger. So thank you, Andrew. I didn't know about that. I'm going to be taking advantage. And guys, we got 358 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we dropped Jackie off, but we have the node defender in the building. And Johnny, any closing remarks on this ledger argument before I bring up the article breaking down how Ripple is launching a central bank digital currency platform? You know, I just think, you know, Abs, we just called out a couple things you can do. I think that's all you can do. Diversification is always the best bet. I've got my stuff split in multiple different areas all over the place. And then I've got Merlin to be able to show me what the hell everything's doing all around. So that's the plan. That's how I'm handling it, Abs. Uh, I really can't tell anybody else what to do. But to me, I think we've given you some ideas to think about. Frankly, for me, I don't think this changes anything for Ledger if you choose not to opt in. 
but everybody's got to decide that for themselves. Spot on, Johnny. And this is an article that all of our listeners should be excited about. As Ripple is launching a central bank digital currency platform where banks are able to approach them and simply launch a CBDC and figure out all the tokenomics through Ripple's website. So this is really, really exciting development here. The firm will also showcase a real estate tokenization product as part of their Hong Kong Monetary Authority's central bank digital currency pilot. Ripple is starting a CBDC platform, which allows central banks, governments, and financial institutions to issue their own digital currency. Using Ripple's platform, government institutions can manage, customize their entire life cycle for central bank digital currencies. This includes the minting, distribution, redemption, and token burning. So key detail here, they can set inflation beforehand using a CBDC. Financial institutions would also be able to manage and participate in inter-institutional settlement and distribution functions using their CBDC product. Central banks can issue both wholesale and retail CBDCs, which can make offline transactions as well. And I think that's a hint at what the BIS is doing, Johnny. The bank, the bank of International Settlements is working on a CBDC that doesn't even need the internet for settlement. The platform is powered by the XRPL, but it was built on a private ledger. Ripple will show the use of this platform under their CBDC pilot in Hong Kong, running a program with the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, the de facto central bank of China. It is also working with Taiwan's Fubon Bank to build a product in real estate asset tokenization, equity distribution, and this is all under a central bank digital currency. So while the United States is debating decentralization, China is leading the charge. What are you thinking here, Johnny? Yeah, well, I'm thinking that Ripple, forget everybody else, Ripple is positioning themselves to own the CBDC market. No question, but you can see they have moved into that and they're and they're smart, right? They're looking at going globally and getting all the other nations in place. You know, I'm not sure they're going to get the U.S. You know, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the U.S. in terms of what the rails will be for the CBDC system. But you can certainly see that Ripple <laughs> is doing their best to make sure that they are going to be a player in this space, even if they get sued in the U.S. or can't play in the U.S., they will be playing throughout the rest of the world globally, which then adds is very interesting because think about it. If they own, let's say, 40, 50 percent of the external of the U.S., right, globally marketplace in the CBDC market, well, then the U.S. has to work with them. The systems will have to have some kind of integration, whether it's you know quant or some other interoperability so that the CBD systems of the U.S. can work with the CBD systems of the rest of the world. So for me. That it's just it's just a it's a smart play for Ripple and the way they're approaching it, considering that yeah, you know, obviously they can't really be working in the US right now. They've decided to attack the rest of the world, plant the seeds, and almost then force the US to have to work with them later. I, I think it's really, really smart the approach they've taken. And we're gonna play a quick update before we kick it to Mario and Andrew here. This is Ripple's head of central bank digital currencies describing the use cases coming to their network. You know, when we think about central bank digital currencies. We think about um, you know it really being as a platform for innovation. So we think about um, sort of three basic primitives, right? One being um, you know domestic use case for payments, you know, with cash alternative being an example. We talk about wholesale, which is sort of interbank settlement. Then we also talk about cross border. Um, those sort of basic primitives we think will be um, implemented by central banks. Um, but really, the the, the the value of CBC comes in the use cases. And he said it right there, Johnny. When we talk about Catalyst for XRP, everyone focuses on the lawsuit. But look at what he's describing for use cases. We've got tokenization of real estate, real-time settlement, cross-border payments. And I'm not even working there. So I'm sure there's a ton of stuff going on behind the scenes. Mario, what stuck out to you most about this video? Yeah, well, first of all, let me just say good morning to everyone. It's uh, super exciting to be here. Let me also say that since I was hosting yesterday, I wasn't paying attention to the chat, but I did see the chat afterwards, and I want to thank everyone that gave me love and 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 words of encouragement there. But yeah, I think you know, it's one of the things that I've been uh, saying a lot too is is the fact that we need like blockchain enables value to come into in, into the into the internet, and you know, as the world is evolving and every everything is happening at the speed of a speed of a, of a click then value also needs to happen or transfers of value also need to happen at the speed of a click. And so Ripple is just positioning itself in this, in that field, you know, they're positioning themselves in the CBDC, you know, central banks, which it's going to be a tough, 
it's going to be a tough place for them to get into, in my opinion, just because, you know, it's so controlled. It's so um, old style. And so for them to come in and disrupt that, it's going to take them allowing, you know, the people in there, it's going to, they're going to have to allow that. So I'm, I'm very curious to see that happen. Um, maybe this battle with the SEC is part of the whole plan. So who, who knows, but nonetheless, Ripple is doing that. And, and, and SXLM, who everyone thought wasn't a competition to Ripple, they're also getting in the CBDC uh, world. So, you know, Stellar becoming more of a competition to Ripple than, than anybody ever thought, because, you know, we thought that they were on the retail side and Ripple was on the enterprise side. So, but yeah. Exactly. And Andrew, I'm not sure if you have any comments on that specific topic, because if not, we're going to talk about how Ripple is being forced to reveal their sales, compensation, and targeted investors, as well as we re- us receiving the Hinman email. So we're going to provide some contrast on Good Morning Crypto. What stuck out to you, Andrew? Um, now, come back to the CDBCs. You know, it, it looks like we now get very enthusiastic about CDBCs. But I also want to look a little bit on the other side. This guy also spoke about use cases. The use cases, that is a fantastic technical opportunity to, to implement all kinds of stuff. But it is also the threat, the threat to the people. For example, one of the use cases is to implement negative interest rates on your on your savings and you cannot do anything about it you know uh, uh, if you have your bank in if you have if you have your money in the bank in the future i will give you for guarantee even also with uh, with the, the the universal basic income which which will come in the future i'm i'm, I'm sure uh, you have to spend it and if you don't spend it you know they will take it uh, slowly will they will take it away and there are also use cases that that can be done so, um, you know, I would say keep money also outside the system. Yeah, we know how to do that with, uh, with real estate, with gold and silver, with, with other cryptos. Uh, uh, be also aware that, uh, that, that CDBCs can give a very positive impulse to, to XRP and the, couple, and, and the company uh, Ripple and also to humanity and to, to, bank, the, the, or to, to, to bank the unbanked people. But there is also a threat and keep your eyes wide open what's happening. But it's also a very interesting uh, thing what's happening and what's, what's happening, how governments are, are reacting to that and how the, how, the, how the people are reacting to it. So I think we are approaching a very interesting era of, of innovation in money. That's exactly. So, what thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry, Andrew. I got stuck in the background. I'm thrown off by this BlackRock news as I am finding out BlackRock owns over 1.2 trillion in Pepe token. But guys, we got 351 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, we got to address this because this is at the forefront of my mind. We noticed that the BlackRock fund withdrew 1.27 trillion Pepe tokens on Binance to four addresses almost two hours ago. And the BlackRock fund made 10x, almost $2.3 million on their value. So when you're wondering who's profiting off these coins, it's not the $100 accounts. It's not the $1,000 accounts. It's the multi-million dollar institutions that are manipulating these prices. What do you think about this, Johnny? Oh, is anybody surprised? I mean, <laughs> not really. I don't know. I mean, a, really? a little bit. To be really? honest, a little bit. Just because... Okay. It's Pepe. It's Pepe. They're, I can't believe that BlackRock, even though they're chasing a pump and dump, they can see that they manipulate these markets. I guess I'm not surprised. In retrospect, I should be smarter than this. Yeah. Did you not go to the Three to Freedom Conference this year? Well, you don't have to freak out when I did my presentation. On Who introduced you? They, they, yeah, exactly. You were there. You, you obviously didn't watch my <laughs> video. But you didn't watch my presentation. But there's no surprise. I mean, you know, they, they, we saw we showed how it works. The smart money gets in first. Then the institutional money gets in next. And then the retail gets dumped on. I mean, it's a formula. It's that simple, right? And that's what, that, there it is. That this is a perfect, I'm actually glad you brought, that's the perfect example. It's the perfect validation of what we presented at the conference. If you were there, you would have gotten education. You would have learned that that's how, not you personally, but you in general would have learned how it works. But that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much what happened, Abs. They basically took advantage of, you know, uh, and that's why when you see these large pump and dumps, you almost know. There's somebody big behind it for it to go that, you know, they're going to make sure they got all the noise and engines going in there to make this thing as big as powerful. And then, you know, they're going to dump that son bitch like you never see like a hot potato and Pepe will be dead in no time soon. And that'll be it. Finito over done. 
and they would have made their trillion. Or would they make on it? How many millions? Would you say they only made two? They made two million dollars. But when you think about how little liquidity is on the network, it seems like a big bag. What's happening with a lot of people is their thousand dollar investment is going to ten thousand dollars, and they see the number in their portfolio, but they don't realize they can't sell that into cash. So it's not a real asset. And with that being said, check out another story about something that may not be a real asset. Andrew Cashflow Tether reported higher higher quarter one profits than BlackRock by over $300 million. BlackRock currently manages over $10 trillion in assets, while Tether is currently unregulated in the United States. And that catches my attention. What does that mean to you, Andrew? What the heck should we be doing here with Tether? As profitable as they are, we're yet to get clarity in the U.S. <laughs> you know, we are living in a weird world. I, 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 I remember when I first discovered the, the, the stable coins, I thought, this is fantastic. I can keep I can keep all my savings on the on the blockchain. I'll keep it out of the system. And then later I thought, hmm, maybe it's not such a good idea. So I also own some UST, and we know what happened with Terra Luna. Also, my UST went down. So um, yeah, what's happening? Can we trust them? USDT? Can we trust USDC? Can we trust Binance USD? Can... Let me let me tell you what I do. Uh, in, in, in the Netherlands, we have a very easy on and off ramp to, to Dutch banks. So as soon as I sell something and I need to sell it in USDT or USDC, I'll, I'll bring it to my Coinbase account. I'll switch it back to, uh, to, to euros and I move it back to my bank account. Yeah. And then it sits there. And as soon as I think, okay, I want to buy something, I, I move money from my bank account back to Coinbase. From there, I move it to another exchange wherever I want to buy it. I do my thing. I, I, I buy. I buy the asset. I buy the crypto. Move it into 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 a uh, uh, into a wallet, and that's it. And, and if I Very take smart. profits, I take them out, and I take them out to to the banking system. And and then I invest in. Uh, let's continue the story. Then I invest in stocks, and from stocks I go to real estate, gold and silver, and that's my portfolio. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll teach you everything in, in the academy, how to do that. But that, that is more or less the way how, how you handle a very risky area, which is, uh, which is crypto. Absolutely, Andrew. That's you know, some great abs, advice. Abs, to me, this whole space of stable coins, um, and we've been hearing it over and over again, are they safe, right? To me, they're, they're right now, I, I view them as a ticking time bomb. And so until we actually get real regulation in the u.s around the stable coin which we know that's going through legislation now or they're talking about it to define you know what it needs to be how do you report it what what amount do you need to hold we saw yesterday i think it was mario was hosting yesterday where they were talking about tether and they want to shift some of their holdings to bitcoin which to me makes zero sense how can you take a product that's supposed to be a stable coin which is you know communicated to be usd so meaning dollar the us dollar is backing it and you have it backed by something unstable like bitcoin that's moving up and down this is ridiculous so this is that's the craziness that's going on yeah johnny i was sorry to interrupt but i was thinking about that i remember you making those comments yesterday but in my understanding is it's their profits that they're putting into bitcoin so it's not necessarily the reserves of the stable coin it's the profits they're keeping those profits, those reserves in in uh, in Bitcoin. I thought they said up to two percent of the reserves was going to be Bitcoin. So if it's reserves, it's crazy. If it's profits, then it's right. okay. It doesn't matter. Um, right. So hold I on, Johnny. Hold on. We got to address this, and we only got five minutes left in the show. One of our listeners is commenting, "We will never see the Hinman emails." June sixth. We better see these Hinman emails or I'm going to be outside the SEC building with a sign in my hand just waiting. But guys, we got 320 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is the opposite end of the Hinman emails. As positive as it is for Ripple, these are some of the negative implications. The defendant's motion to seal is denied as it re references linking Ripple's revenue with XRP sales, the amount of compensation that Ripple offered trading platforms to list XRP, and the amount of Ripple XRP sales targeted at investors through programmatic and institutional sales. What does that mean, Johnny Crypto? Let's put this in plain English here. Ripple is going to have to explain the profitability of their business. When they went to Coinbase, Coinbase just didn't you know, do them a favor and, and say, we love you guys. We're going to list you on the exchange. They were profiting off of the listing and many exchanges were. So Ripple's going to reveal that. They're also going to reveal the compensation 
uh, from selling XRP alone. And they've been very open about this. They provide quarterly reports, so there's going to be no huge reveals here. But I do think it could be damning. The SEC could use some of this information against them. What does that mean to you? Well, two things. Uh, before I get to that, what we talked about yesterday was I still believe abs. There's probably only a 50% chance we even see the Hinman emails. If we do, they'll probably be mainly, you know, a good chunk of them will be redacted. They said they were only going to redact the names. So if they do that, fine. But most likely, I think you'll see a lot more redactions. So number one, if we get them, and if they're not highly redacted, which I think now we're at maybe 25%, right? Um, then we'll be able to get a sense for what's going on in both sides, both positive and negative. Now, to answer your, your question on what does it mean, I, I kind of said this earlier. I think what it means is Ripple screwed in terms of the fact that they, they were kind of launched as a security back then. And I think they're going to, I think what it means is they're almost assured they're going to have to pay a fine for that. They're going to lose that piece of it. But I don't think Ripple cares about that. We know what they care about. They care about going forward our secondary sales deemed a security and based on what you're going to learn with the Hinman emails and what he said about, about what, what he said about Ethereum is going to help them argue that battle dramatically. Like, Hey, you guys basically told us that Ethereum wasn't a security. We operated like them. So how can you deem us a security? And I think they're going to win that piece of it. And the way they're operating now in secondary sales, I think they're going to win that piece of it too. So what I ultimately think is going to happen is what I thought always would happen. They'll pay a fine for, some portion that there's something they did a while back and then secondary sales should be deemed non-securities going forward. Ultimately, that's the outcome that I think is going to happen, um, but we'll have to wait and see where it's going to go. But I think that's where we're headed. Here's the tweet that I was reminded of. This is from October of 2022 when Brad Garlinghouse and Ripple first received access to the Hinman emails. He said, the SEC wants you to think that it cares about disclosure, transparency, and clarity. Do not believe them. When the truth eventually comes out, the shamefulness of their behavior will shock you. And here we are almost a year later, and the shamefulness may finally be revealed. So, Mario, are you optimistic about these Hinman emails? Or like Verhoofty Floofin says right here, he couldn't care less about the emails. So what does it mean to you? Well, I think that, you know, if Brad came out and said that uh, once he did see the emails, he, he was pretty stunned with what he was reading or what he read. So I think those emails do have some stuff that Ripple can obviously use to to um, position themselves better in this case, or you know, at least have a chance of of winning, because we know they don't want to settle; they want to take this to the to, for the win. So, what I hope is that these emails really are more relevant than whatever information the SEC can get, because the SEC is definitely going to use that information against them. But um, hopefully, these emails have have the 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 power to really give Ripple the chance to to win the case but at the same time you know we, we know it's the sec we know it's a government agency we know it's it's going to be terrible for a government agency to lose they're going to look bad and i don't think that's something they want or they're going to allow in this case so yeah but I, nonetheless you know june 6th that's a a pretty close date and i'm excited we're we're living through uh, exciting times as far as this case and that was more prevalent than ever at XRP Las Vegas, Johnny. And lucky us, we are going to be interviewing or hosting a show with Brad Kimes tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, guys. And this is something that I'm really excited about. Not only are we going to talk about XRP Las Vegas, we're definitely going to be talking about the Hinman emails and all the updates from Ripple this week. But we got 315 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, we got a couple of minutes here. So I was actually going to ask you, any exciting updates to share with our Merlin team or about Merlin to our Good Morning Crypto team? Oh, you, you know, abs, like, you know, actually, yeah, matter of fact, you know, it'd be cool. I know you weren't able to show everybody the uh, the markets page for some reason, but we, uh, you know, we are happy to show that it is live and working abs and I'll do you the honors of sharing it right there. You can Very see cool. it and you can see the total market cap. You can see what the market's been doing. You can see Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, dominance, and more importantly, Jackie mentioned uh, a bunch of coins out there. To be exact, there's 24,000. 265 crypto tokens out there abs uh but yeah no we're excited about it we're doing some more testing this weekend to be able to we're getting closer and closer to uh working out all the bugs and hopefully you know we'd like to be able to launch some beta testing hopefully uh early next quarter so or i mean the end of this quarter so that's the plan but you know again we we have to see this is software and anything can go wrong and we want to make sure that we've done things to make sure. Absolutely, my friend. And I'm super excited about Merlin, but not only am I excited about what they're what you're showing now, 
The other things we aren't able to show yet are the biggest updates that are coming on the way. And guys, do me a favor. Check out the Merlin application. 30 days absolutely free. We're going to see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us.